sanctuary, we started uh, this message series called The Seed Principle, right? And so tonight you should have a handout before you. We're going to go back to the gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Amen. And we'll begin our reading at verse number four again. The gospel according to St. Luke, chapter number eight. And we'll begin reading at verse number four. The seed principle. And last week we talked about uh, the secret of the seed. And remember what we said? The secret of seed means we got to realize that 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 there's the powers in the seed uh, and that seeds ability to produce the potential that's in it will only produce that potential when that seed is placed in the right type of soil. Is that correct? You can have good seed with all kinds of potential, but if it's not placed in the right kind of soil, it will not produce what it is capable of producing. Amen. So the gospel according to St. Luke, verse number, chapter number eight, verse number four says this. One day, Jesus told a story to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. The text says a farmer went out to plant his seed as he scattered it across his field. Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Next verse says other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Next verse, it says this. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. 11 and 12. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Verse 12, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. We're going to stop our reading right there. So we're talking about uh, the seed principle. And tonight, last week we talked about uh, the uh, uh, the the. The secret of the seed, and this day we're going to talk about the enemy of the seed. Okay, so the goal of this lesson is you have your outline. The goal is is to identify the tactics used by Satan to hinder the spiritual growth and transformation of the soul that God wants to occur. Even in the seed of the gospel message that has been sown in the wayside soil of the human of the human soul. So the devil seeks to try to prevent the seed of God's word from producing what is capable of producing in your life. Satan does everything in his power to make sure Cassandra that the word, the seed of the word does not get down in your heart and, and take root so that it can begin to produce the things that God designed for it to produce. Okay. So as we look through here, we go down to our lesson uh, outline and we see some things, you know, uh, one of, the, one of the things that we recognize is that uh, being able to understand God's word and be, being able to see what God's plan is for our life is critical for, for us to be able to get to where God wants us to get to. Uh, if your vision is distorted, everything you see is unclear. How many of y'all are out here wear glasses or contacts? Let me see your hands. Wow. Okay, y'all look around. Look, look around at all the people who wear glasses and or contacts. That's a probably about, if I'm counting right, that's about 80% of the people, 85% of the people here wear glasses of contact. How many of y'all remember uh, when you first got glasses, you didn't know you were seeing as bad as you were seeing? Any of y'all remember that? <laughs> you didn't realize that you were seeing as bad as you were seeing until you got glasses. You're like, man, this is the way the world looks. Man, these colors are so much more vivid. Oh, I can read that sign. I was supposed to be able to read that sign, but I thought I 
it was just too far away, but with my with my corrective vision tool, glasses or contacts, now I'm able to read that sign. But you didn't know that you were seeing as bad as you were seeing until you discovered you were seeing as bad as you were seeing. Am I right about it? So so uh, so all you know. Uh, many of us in here need assistance to be able to to see uh, things clearly. And sometimes in our own life, guys, uh, just like that principle of our wearing glasses, there are many times that we don't know that we're not seeing things spiritually the way we should be seeing them. There are many times that we don't know that we don't we don't have the understanding that God says we can have if we would just allow the seed of his word to take up root in our hearts. So let's look at our lesson points tonight and roll down through here because Jesus shared this uh, parable and he shared it uh, so that his disciples could get understanding. But those who were not truly seeking wisdom would be confused by it. Amen. So that's why he used parable earthly story with a spiritual meaning. Okay. now we said before that all of us are three part beings. Right. What are those three parts? What, what are we first and foremost? Spirit. We possess what? A soul. And we live in what? Okay, so we are all spirit, soul, body. Just like we have a triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We made in his image and likeness. We are first and foremost spirit man. We possess a soul and we live in this physical body. Okay? And so... Our spirit man is the part of us uh, that allows us to communicate with God. Our spirit man is what's actually reborn. Amen. The Bible says, and I quote it all the time, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Everybody say the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. See, your spirit is what connects with God. You cannot communicate, you, you cannot understand God, except your spirit makes the connection. It's, it's the signal that allows you and I to enter into that unseen spiritual realm in which God operates. So if you and I are living in defeat, amen, and not living in victory, uh, the parable that we just read is going to make it clear that the problem is with the soul, our spiritual receiver, and not with the seed. There is nothing in the world wrong with God's word. It's the soil that it's being planted into, okay? So as we look at the outline, look at the, the first lesson point that we come up with. Uh, first thing we say is, if we do not use it, we will what? Lose it, okay? If we do not use it, we will what? Lose it. Let's get back to verse 12 of Luke, the 8th chapter right quick. Let's look at that and hone in right quick. In verse 12... Jesus introduces us to Satan, our arch enemy, who is standing ready to snatch away the seed of the gospel that was sown, amen, in our hearts or that was sown in our minds. How many of you know that, that as soon as or even before you leave church, the enemy is coming after the word that you just heard? That's why uh, it, it's not by happenstance that you and I, when we hear a teaching and we decide that we're going to follow up on that teaching, it seems like all hell breaks loose on the very lesson that we were just taught. That's not by accident because Satan is coming after the word that you just heard. He knows if that word gets buried down in your heart, in your spirit, then, then you're going to have the potential to produce fruit that he can't do anything about. So what he does is he comes swiftly. Everybody say swiftly. He comes quickly. Everybody say quickly. He comes suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. He comes suddenly to snatch the word away so it doesn't get from your head down in your heart. Because when I preach on Sunday, guess what? Uh, when I preached on Sunday, that word, when you first hear it, is right here in your head. Okay? It's in your head. It's in your thought process. You're contemplating what I'm saying. You're, you're trying to decide, if, 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 is that really true or not? You're trying to decide, oh, can I really do this or not? And then you, you're, all, you, you're sitting there, and that word is in your head, but it hadn't necessarily resonated in your heart and your spirit yet. So the enemy is coming to try to snatch it away. He'll come with a situation. 
He'll come with a circumstance. He'll come with some unexpected life issue that's designed to make sure that that word does not get down in your heart. Because he knows if it gets down into the soil of that good ground soil, it's going it's to produce something. Because remember last week, what did we learn? The problem is not with the seed. It's what? It's with the soil, okay? The soil which represents what? Man's heart, okay? So if our hearts are not conditioned to receive the seed of God's word, it will not produce, amen, what it is capable of producing. Uh, when, when in Mark's gospel, he tells this story, the same story in Mark 4th chapter, he adds that when Satan comes and takes the word from a hardened heart, he does it suddenly or immediately, okay? The reason Satan needs to move quickly is to get that seed before it has a chance to get buried in the good, good ground of your heart. To, he comes to get that seed before it can get down into that good soil. And when it gets in that good soil, it's going to produce something. All right. So if Satan, uh, you know, one of the things that we got to realize, if Satan didn't get you before you got saved, all right, he can't do anything about your salvation. Because he can't take you out of God's hand. If you're really truly born again, the, Jesus said, listen, all of those that I got, I'm keeping. The Bible even tells us this. He says, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until that day of redemption. So if I get saved, Satan cannot take me out of God's hand. But what he can do, he can render me ineffective in advancing kingdom principles. He can render me ineffective in having impact in the lives of those who I come in contact with. Because ultimately, that's why God left us here, right? So that we can impact the lives of others who we come in contact with. So when we look at this thing, let's, let's, let's go down through and walk through right quick. So the first lesson point we want to put into our memory bank is this. If we don't use it, we will lose it. The seed of God's word must be cultivated or it will be snatched away by Satan. So again, guys, talk to me just for a second. Any of y'all ever grew anything, a planet, uh, uh, some uh you know, squash or green, Jerry, I know you do. Anybody else? Anybody besides Jerry plant stuff, Sister Dorothy? When you plant something uh, or when you are getting ground ready to receive something, a seed of something, you have to cultivate the ground. Am I right about it? It can't be just hard, fallow ground like we talked about last week, some trail that you go through and you drop seed on the trail. You got to cultivate. You got to break up that what? Fallow ground. In order for that seed to produce something. So the seed of God's word must be cultivated if it or it's going to be snatched away by Satan. Look at the next part of your line. A hardened soul and refusal to hear God's point of view makes a person worse off than if he had never heard it at all. So watch this now, okay? I told you before, the Bible says to whom much is given, guess what? Much is required. If you know what word says and then don't do word, then you're going to be held to a higher standard, right? I said before, it'll be much better for you to go to a church that don't teach you anything than to come to a church that teaches you the word of God, but you refuse to do anything you heard, all right? Because God's going to hold you accountable because you knew better, amen? So a hardened soul Okay, a hardened soul and refusal to hear God's point of view makes a person worse off than if they had never heard it at all. So what, what, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, there are people who we know, who are in our families, or people who we associate with, who are hardened to the things of God. They don't really want to hear what you got to say about God. How many of y'all got people in your life who really are not interested in what you got to say spiritually? Do you know people like that? Some of them will be nicer, some of them will be rude to you. I don't, don't come in here with all that Bible stuff. I ain't, ain't got time for that. This, this, this ain't church. This is my house. Well, guess what? We, we, we are the church, and we bring in the church out of the building to your house. Because we are part of the body of Christ. And guys, all of us have a responsibility to share our faith with those who we're in relationship with. But I got news for you. If, if, if you got a hardened heart, uh, and, and you refuse to see God's point of view, then God's going to hold you to a higher standard because you knew better and refused to do it. Look at the next point. When there is no growth due to hardness, 
what little the hardened person has will be taken away. Are you listening to me? What little that person has will be taken away. Uh, it's possible even for saved people to become hardened and allow Satan to steal the seed. Now let's pop that just for a second. Have you ever been in a period or state in your life where uh, maybe you were not as receptive to the things of God as you were when you first got saved and you were excited? Anybody ever been through a valley experience before as a believer? Okay. I think if we're all honest, we can admit that there have been, been some times where we had a valley experience where we were not really excited about coming to church. We were not really excited about studying our Bibles. We were not really excited about uh, receiving the things of God. And so as a result, in that valley experience, uh, sometimes we got hardened to the things of God and we were not really receiving God's word. So but so it's possible. Look at y'all. It's possible for someone to hear God's word and yet regress spiritually. Go to James 1 and start at verse number 19. I think we'll go down to 21. It's possible uh, for you to hear God's word and yet regress spiritually. I don't want to be one who goes backward. Do you? I mean, I want to, I want to move forward in Christ. All right, let's look at James chapter number 1 and verse number 19. Are you there with me? Come on, let's read together. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get what? To get angry. Next verse. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Go back to verse number 19. Let's look at it one more time. Watch this again. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all, you must all, not that you have an option, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Three admonitions here, we, we've, we've preached on this countless numbers of times. We, we, we must be quick to listen. What does it mean? Describe, describe to me somebody real quickly in succinct terms. What does it mean to be quick to listen? Attentive. All right. Anybody else? Give me another word. Don't interrupt. Quick to listen. What, what else? Anybody else? Huh? Focus. Okay. Quick to listen. In other words, don't interrupt. Pay attention. Be focused. Amen. On what's being said. Right? That's what it means to be quick to listen. That means to be attentive, to be focused, to, to be in a position where you can receive what's being said and you can listen to what's being said. Quick to listen, then slow to speak. What does slow to speak mean? Huh? Be quiet. While you're listening, don't just be in a hurry to say what you got to say. Does anybody ever struggle with that before? Where you're in the middle of a conversation, maybe you got to deal with an issue, and you don't allow the other person to even finish saying what they're saying before you saying what you got to say. Scripture says, slow to speak. In other words, allow for the other person to share. Uh, even before you give an answer for, about something, it's best to weigh that, weigh that thing out and to weigh it out in your mind and, and run it through the prism of God's word before you start speaking. Somebody said earlier, death and life is what? In the power of the tongue. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. So it's critically important that we get to this point where we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get mad. Slow to get angry. That's critically important. Because if we don't learn that, we have a tendency to ruin our testimony. So three things there that if we would do that, man, I'll tell you what, we would really be uh, cooking with grease. If we can get people in the church to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You don't have to give your opinion on everything that's said. Sometimes it's good just to shut up and be quiet. I promise you this, you'll learn a lot. 
You, you know, learn how to listen to people, listen intently. And sometimes when you listen, you got to get behind what they're actually saying. All right. And that's something I had to learn because sometimes I, I was the type of person who would just take you at your word and believe that you would just tell me what you really wanted me to know. But what I quickly understood, especially the more I counsel people, a lot of times when you're in counseling with people, it takes a good 45 minutes to get past the fluff. To get past the, 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 the story that's couched the way they want it to be seen. And sometimes it takes two or three counseling sessions before we get to the real issue. Because a lot of times what we end up doing, if we're not careful, we end up addressing the fruit, as I said before, and never deal with the root. And if you address the fruit, and never deal with the root, like I told you before, the fruit will come back. It'll come back every time. You ought to have gardens or you ought to have a flower bed and know what I'm talking about. You can clean that flower bed up, but the, if the root of that grass is still down beneath that, that mush, guess what's going to happen, Carl? It's coming back up again. Every year. Every few weeks. Because you didn't kill it at the root. But if you kill the root, it ain't coming back. All right. So understand this, my dear brothers, you must be all quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Look at the next verse. 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. The word has that power. OK, so now watch this. So it's possible for someone to hear God's word and yet regress spiritually. In other words, if we're not open to, to taking that, that seed of that word and allowing it to take its proper place in our hearts, then we can be listening to preaching Sundays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Sundays, and yet be regressing spiritually. Okay? So we want to make sure that we're not in that, in that boat. The devil wants to keep the seed of God's word from taking root in the soil. Go to John 10 and 10, and y'all know this one that we, we quote it all the time. Go to the Gospel according to St. John. Are you still with me? So the seed principle. We discovered on last week the secret of the seed. Now this week we know the seed has an enemy, and that enemy is Satan, and Satan will do whatever he can to make sure that the seed of the word does not get planted in the good ground of your heart. Because if it does, you're going to be held to be reckoned with. He can't do anything with you when you take that word and plant it in, inside your heart and, and make a conscious decision that I'm going to live my life by what I've been taught. I'm going to live my life uh, by what I've heard through the word of God. I'm going to react to people. I'm going to respond to people based on what I've been taught from the scripture and I'm not going to like I used to respond out of my emotions how many of y'all get emotional sometimes and all of, all of us have emotions right and God made us with those emotions and sometimes those emotions can drive us to do things that, that, that in the ordinary course of things we would not have done sometimes we get mad at, at ourselves or get mad at somebody else and we push forward and do something but again, emotions in and of themselves are not necessarily evil. But when we rely on emotions to make decisions and direct the course of our life, then we set ourselves up to be manipulated by the enemy. OK, so we got to make sure that we 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 are men and women of principle and, and make decisions based off the principles of God's word and not out of our emotional state. Because our emotional state changes. I tell you that all the time. It changes. You feel this way today, but tomorrow you're going to feel differently. So if I make a decision out of my emotions, chances are I'm going to regret it. How many of y'all ever done something when you were so angry and then after you, after you calmed down, you're like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And you were really remorseful, right? So, so we want to make sure that we get to a point to where we allow the seed of God's word to get planted in our heart to such a degree that it produces, amen, what it was designed to produce so that it will override our emotional state to where we, we're, being, we're leading our lives based on how we feel, okay? 
I want us to be men and women of the principle that we lead our life based on the strategic, amen, plan that God has laid out for us in his word. Amen. All right. So look at John 10 and 10. It says, what the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. It says, but I come that you may have what? Life and that and that they might have it what? More abundantly. Who is talking here? Who is he talking to? He's talking to his followers, his disciples, okay? Uh, look what he says in, in verse number 11, just for good measure. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Next verse says what? But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and flee it, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. Guys, let me just park that for a second. One thing that you do not want in pastoral leadership is a hireling. Do y'all know what a hireling is? That's somebody who's, who, who's strictly there for the paycheck. That's somebody who, who can see you going in the ditch and ain't going to say nothing because you're a tither. You're the biggest tither in the church and they're afraid to say something to make you mad so that you'll stop giving and then they won't get their check like they want to get their check. A hireling is someone who, who, is, who is employed but is not connected. A hireling is someone who, who does not care for you individually. They just care for what you can do for them. And you don't want a hireling. You, you don't want a pastoral leader or any leader really uh, that, that's, that's not into it, that's into it for what they can get out of it, okay? That's what a hireling does. He can see the wolf coming and don't, don't warn the sheep. That's what Jesus says, and he leaves the sheep and flee, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Verse 13 says what? The hireling fleeth because he's in hireling and careth not for the sheep. And verse 14, for good measure, I am the good shepherd, this is Jesus, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. So we have the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who's our Lord and Savior. He cares about us. And even when we find ourselves about to be devoured by the sheep, he sends us warning. He'll send your pastoral leadership. He'll send a brother or sister who's in covenant relationship with you to come and to warn you, don't go there. The, sheep, the, the wolf is about to eat you alive. Amen? So let's get back here. All right, so get back to the outline. So if we do not use it, we will lose it. Uh, the word of God has the ability uh, to, to transform our lives. But if we don't take the time to take that word and to, and to really seriously consider it and act upon it, what little knowledge that we have of that word, we will, we will lose that little knowledge. Remember when Jesus said that? Uh, when, when, when we don't take the word of God seriously, our understanding is going to get even worse than what it is. Because what little lives we have will be taken away from us. So if we do not use it to see the God's word, we're going to lose it. Look at number two in your outline. The growth process requires time and patience. Everybody say time and patience. All truth comes to us in seed form. When we hear God's word, we are hearing it in a way that it is not yet developed. As far as our understanding is concerned, the word of God is true. The word of God, the word of God has has the power uh, to transform my life. But how many of y'all know and how many of y'all can attest to the fact that there, there's been the seed of God's word that's been planted in your life relative to your finances, relative to your marriage, where where you don't at the time that that word is planted, you don't you don't actually get full understanding when that seed is planted. Am I right about it? How many of y'all ever heard word? Let's say, for instance, how many, how many when, when you hear the word as it relates to, let's say, for instance, about uh, a word saying that love your neighbor as yourself or pray for those who despitefully use you. How many of y'all have heard that seed come out before? How many of y'all have been in a situation where somebody despitefully used you and you didn't really feel like praying for them? Anybody? As a matter of fact, you want to do something else to them. And praying went on the agenda. Am I right about it? Am I, am, I, am I on point here? See, the growth process 
requires time and patience. And again, when all truth comes to us in seed form. So when we hear God's word, we're hearing it in a way that is not yet developed, but it's got to get to the seed, the good ground of our hearts. So when that seed is planted and it begins to cultivate and take root, it'll begin to produce revelation knowledge in our, in our life. Because guys, I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes when I've, 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 I've had God's truth planted in my heart, but I didn't fully understand certain things until that thing took root and germinated. Have you ever had somebody forgive you for something that you know you really, you were dead to rights guilty and, and really uh, uh, you, you, you even felt like you didn't deserve forgiveness, but they forgave, they forgave you. Anyhow. Anybody had to happen? See, I, I believe this. I believe we don't really fully understand the true love of God until we have to have that kind of forgiveness given to us and we and somebody gives it and we receive it. In other words, God so loved us. When we hear John 3, 16, we don't really grasp that until we're in a relationship with someone and maybe maybe something happened in that relationship and we need to be forgiven for something that we did. And then when that forgiveness is extended to us, we know we didn't deserve it. Man, then now you truly begin to understand what God says in John 3, 16. He says, he sold other world and he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When you hear that, we don't quite grasp it until we have to go through something with somebody who we love and want to continue to have a relationship with. And then they forgive us for something that we did. Then now we truly understand God's forgiveness because it's coming through us in human form. We can see it face to face. Sometimes, you know, we weren't there when Jesus was crucified on the cross, were we? We didn't, we weren't here when Jesus walked on this earth, but we are here now interfacing with people who, who have the love of God on the inside of them. And when they extend that love to us, we really begin to understand God's love in a, in a greater fashion. God wants to use us to exhibit his love, y'all. God wants to use you and I to show people that he really loves them. So my question to you is, can he use you? Can the seed of God's word be planted in your heart and produce the type of fruit that God wants to produce in your life. In order for the seed to become developed, there must be a growth process. We cannot get the product of spiritual maturity without going through the process. Go to 1 Peter 2 right quick. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. I think this is where I want to go. 1 Peter Chapter number two. Watch this. Watch this. First Peter, chapter number two. Verse one says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Who's talking, Peter? Talking to the church, believers, saints of God. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all, all unkind speech. Like newborn babies. Watch this. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. All right. Watch this. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk, which is the milk of the word, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Okay. Growth. Is what we were made to do. Growth, spiritual growth, is something that you and I must decide that we're going to participate in if we're going to ever experience it. I can't grow you, as I told you before, without you choosing to participate in the growth process. I, as your pastor, can only do so much. You got to decide that I'm ready to grow. You got to decide that I'm going to open up my heart to where that seed of the word is being planted into the proper type soil. Because after all, it's not the problem with the seed, it's the problem with what? The soil, okay? So in order for the seed to become developed, there must be a growth process. We cannot get the product of spiritual maturity without going through the process. Just you guys coming here for a midweek uh, Bible study is a part of the discipling process, right? We come together to study corporately. Being here on Sundays is a part of that process. Your personal time with God 
in your prayer time, in your personal study time, is a part of that process that stimulates spiritual growth. How many of you know that we have members of this church who have fooled themselves into thinking they can grow by just coming on Sundays? How many of y'all were in that category at one point in time? Come on, be honest. Your, the, 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 your mindset toward church and God was Sunday morning centric. In other words, it was all about the church service on Sunday. Now, thank God that that's when we come together corporately, and that's the time we get revived, encouraged, and exhorted. But guys, if it's only a Sunday morning experience, you will not grow. You will not grow. None of us will grow just coming on Sunday mornings, okay? It's, it's deeper than that. The growth process requires time and patience, all right? Time and patience. Nobody grows overnight, right? How many of y'all remember as, as a little child when you made a mark on the door on the door jam about your height and you were excited when you grew a little bit? Anybody remember that? All right. Your children want your children. I remember my son used to always want to stand up next to me and, and, and see how tall he was, and eventually he caught up with me. All right. He's a, he's a little bit taller than I am now. And and to him, that was the, the one of the, the, the Best days of his life when he got taller than his daddy. Everybody wants to grow, but guys, guess what, guys? Growth requires time and patience. Everybody say time and patience. And even us who are growing in the Lord have to learn how to be patient with people who are not where we think they ought to be. And we're, we're going, you know, we're dealing with Corinth, and we're going to talk about that even a little bit more. We get to that third chapter of Corinth, how Corinth was a church full of spiritual babies. And because they were full of spiritual babies, they had all kind of discord going on in the church. Look at point number three in your outline. Okay? So the seed principle, remember the soil is the condition of man's heart. And you got to decide what kind of soil am I going to uh, cultivate for that seed to take root in my heart. Because the problem is not with the seed, it's with what? The soil. We need to reach children while they are young and open to Christ. We gotta, that, that's why, guys, if, in case you hadn't noticed, we spend uh, time and resources to try to make sure that we are speaking to our young people. Because statistics have told us that, that generally if somebody's going to get saved, a good percentage of the time it happens when they're in their youth, in, their, in those impressionable ages, when they're from 12 to, uh, well, from 8 on up to 18 years of age. A lot of times, and people come to, to the Lord later on in life, but you have a better chance of coming to the Lord when you're in those younger years than when you get to be 40 and 50, and, and now you decide you're going to convert that person to Christ. It happens, but we got to make sure that we keep, amen, our process going when we're trying to reach our young people because they are very impressionable, right? Uh, and after all, why not come to the Lord when you're young and be like Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young in age. But it says be an example in your youth. Be an example for Jesus Christ while you still got energy. So, so Henry, I thank God for you. You've been here every year that I've been here as a pastor of this church. But so, so Henry, how old are you now, sweetheart? Yeah, yeah, you're going to live to see it, baby. You're going to live to see it. You'll be 85, right? Would you agree with me that at 85, you can't do some of the things you could do at 45. Okay, absolutely. All right. Guys, listen, uh, there are things at, at 55 that I can't do when I was 25. The same energy level that I had at 25, I don't quite have that same energy level at 55. So wouldn't it be great, amen, for God to be able to use me when I'm, when I'm, at, I'm, I'm in top physical condition, mentally, emotionally, and able to run hard for him and represent him in the earth realm, rather than waiting until I get old and dusty and can't do nothing. Right? He said, he told, Paul told Timothy, be thou an example while you are young. God, that's why the enemy fights these millennials and these, these are 18 to 30 something. He's fighting y'all, Britain. He's trying to, he's trying to keep y'all from, from committing to the Lord. Uh, uh, Galen, he wants to keep you from, from being on fire for Jesus. He, he wants y'all to run to the club and be on fire at the club with your hot self. Amen. He, I'm not talking to y'all in here, okay? 
so, so that's why at that age, guys, it, it's refreshing to me as a pastor to see some of our young adults, amen, our 20-somethings who are, who are excited about their faith and realize that life is more than partying, having a good time, getting drunk, smoking weed. Life is more than just going around and having sex with as many people you can possibly have sex with. Because I'm going to tell you, and, and we don't have many young adults here now, but you know what? You know, you're going to soon discover that life is more than sex. Sex is good. God made it for us to enjoy within the confines of marriage. But you're going to discover at a certain season in your life that life is more than having sex. Can I get somebody over 45 to give me an amen? amen. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure I went out there by myself, okay? Because our understanding develops, and we understand that, that, that you can enjoy someone's company and be in their presence without having to be all over them. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that, that a man can have the most beautiful model uh, as a wife and maybe what, what the world considers to be finer than wine and yet mess up on her? Huh? Somebody said greed. <laughs> Somebody said dog. It's because, guys, listen to me. It, it's not all, somebody said crazy. It's not, it's not all about sexuality. You follow me? There's more to life than sexual indulgence. As we'll find out on Sunday as we continue to study the Corinthian church. God wants to use us in the prime of our life. That's all I'm saying. Don't wait till you get too old to do anything before you decide you'll get serious about God. Amen? Amen? We need to reach children while they're young and open to Christ. That's why parents should seek to lead their children to Christ early. In other words, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it, okay? Now, that means that while I'm training, while I'm pushing them toward that natural bent, I'm teaching them about the things of God. I'm not allowing them to make those decisions on their own because they're not capable of making those decisions on their own. I have to train my child. Do not let a child run the house. They have to be trained. And when they're 18 and 20 and think they know what they're doing and they don't know what they're doing because they're still eating from your table. You still have to train. You still have to instruct. But your role begins to change a little bit. And it goes from being that trainer to being that mentor for your child. It goes from you trying to tell them everything to do to advising them. Am I right about that? You, you start advising them and you start letting them make decisions. We were talking to Junior about a, a, a situation at school and we said, son, here, here, let's lay it out on the table, okay? Here's what's happening right now, okay? So you got to decide uh, in this academic situation whether or not uh, you need to go this direction or go that direction, all right? We're not going to make the decision for you, but we're going to give you our best advice, and now you're going to make the choice. Because you know what kids will do? You know they'll do it, right? Well, I wouldn't have did that if you hadn't told me, mama. <laughs> and some of you mamas, come on, helicopter moms. Some of you helicopter moms have to learn how to back off and allow your children, especially your boys, to grow into be young men. Can I help somebody up in there? You got to pull back because... If you keep making all their decisions for them, they'll never grow up. They'll be 45 still depending on you. You don't want that. It may be cute while they're 25 and you, you feel ingratiated, but when it's 45 and they still borrow money from you, and still don't know how to bounce that checkbook, still coming to you, and it ain't going to be real cute then, okay? So allow them, no, take the time to become that mentor and advise, but let them make their decisions. Amen? I'm telling you, it, it helps them to grow, okay? Can we keep going? Let's, let's, let's finish this thing up, okay? So, the secular culture wants to harden children and will if given enough time. The culture wants to harden them. But guys, we want, we want to grow them 
in the Lord. Sometimes we have to pray difficult prayers for those whose hearts have become hard. And that means that, that, that sometimes we have to pray, God, I'm turning this child, I'm turning this situation over to you. You deal with them. And sometimes that's tough because when God is dealing with us, sometimes it's not pleasant. Remember Judges? We did that study in Judges when God dealt with his people and he, had to, he dealt with them in such a way to bring them back to him, guys. So again, sometimes we have to pray difficult prayers for those whose hearts have been hard. To be hard spiritually means to resist God. And so when the seed is being planted into soil that is resistant, when it's wayside type soil, then that seed will not produce what God designed for it to produce. Amen? So when that happens, it means that the devil can quickly rein this person in. The devil can quickly, uh, the devil can quickly uh, come and, and, and try to snatch that person uh, situation to the point to where he doesn't see God and he starts seeing the situation and he becomes discouraged, he becomes suicidal, he, be, he gets to the point where he feels like there's no hope. The devil is after the seed of God's word. And he does not want you to take this word and plant it in your heart. Amen? Are y'all still with me today? All right, so, so again, well, three, we need to reach the children while they're young and open to Christ. So let's make sure that we're doing our job in helping develop and train our children. Can I get a witness? So, again, uh, so let's, let's kind of wrap this up as we get to the end of this. We need to be diligent in instilling God's word in those young hearts, okay? So parents, I, I, you know, my, my, my role as the pastor is to encourage you to be that person who, who, who's still involved with your children's life. Some of y'all have grown children, but you still have a role to play in advising and pro providing godly counsel to your children. You've got to be careful that you don't try to take over. Okay? Your children, whether you believe it or not, look to you for guidance, but they'll rebuff your guidance when they feel like you're trying to take over their life. Did I get one amen on that? They will, they will resist you if they feel like you're trying to take over and tell them exactly what to do. Now, again, I'm talking about children who ain't still staying with you. I'm talking about children who are out on their own who need some guidance. The seed of the word that God plants in your heart, you can still take that same word and plant it in somebody else's heart. But make sure that you do it the right way. Amen? Uh, so, so, again, lesson illustration. Again, we talk about the distorted vision. When we get glasses, we see more clearly for the first time. I, we just bought a new TV after about 20 years. We had this TV that, you, you remember those big old projector type TVs? We had this for the longest. And I finally broke down and, and bought a new TV uh, after about, I guess we probably 17, 18 years. Um, and I didn't know what I was missing. I bought a, y'all know what 4K is? 4K is beyond HD. And y'all see that TV commercial where that guy be sitting there looking like this? When, I, when that picture first came up, Zonda, I sat there and I'm like, I didn't know TV could look this good. <laughs> when I watched the ball game, Dars, the, the Christmas of the color and everything was so vivid, I, I didn't know what I was missing until I saw something different. Oh, y'all listen to me. Sometimes our vision can be distorted because we used to looking at something the same way all our lives and we haven't been exposed to anything different. God is saying, you've been thinking this way all your life. Yeah, the folk in Benton think that way. Yeah, the folk in City Road think that way. Maybe people in Louisiana think that way, but I want you to think differently. Maybe the Smith family, the Jones family, and the Hardman family, and the Jenkins family have thought that way all their life, but I want to give you something different. Because sometimes we get narrowly focused and we think that what we're seeing is all there is. But that 4K TV, man, I just, my eyes just bucked. I'm like, man, this is pretty. This is really pretty. All right? But I didn't know what I was missing. So my, division, my vision was somewhat distorted. I couldn't see everything I needed to see. What, what, how many of y'all remember class experiment? How many of y'all, either your children or you, uh, in science class, uh, we're giving this cup to put some soil in and plant a seed. Y'all remember that? that's a basic experiment that most kids go through. And most kids, when they plant their seed, the next day they come back what? Looking for something that ha have already taken place and it hadn't grown where you can see it yet, right? All right? So sometimes we're just like little children. We want to see that growth 
immediately overnight. And growth does not come overnight. It is a what? Process. The seed of the word has to be planted in the good ground of your heart. And when it is, the process of growth begins to take place. And after a period of time, before you even know it, bam, there it is. The little leaves begin to bud out, right? You begin to see a little something, something that you used to do. You, all of a sudden, you look around and say, you know what? I hadn't did that sinful thing in a long time. You know what? I stopped thinking crazy like that. And I don't even remember when it fell off. Have you ever had something happen in your life? And you don't even know when it fell off. All you know is, I don't do that anymore. That growth process. Amen. Plant the seed of God's word in your heart. Review real quick and we got to go. Okay, so let's go back and look at the three uh, points here. Number one, if we do not use it, we will lose it. When God plants a word in your seed in you, uh, the enemy is coming to take it away. So we got to make sure we put it down in our hearts. Because you know, he's coming to snatch the word away. I'm telling you right now, when you hear teaching, make up in your mind and do teaching. Like, like I, something simple like when I share with you, go out and do something kind for somebody. Some of y'all, the enemy snatched that word. Well, you forgot all about it. Some of y'all said, oh, I forgot that. The enemy coming and snatch it. Take it away. So, so take that word and plant it in your heart. If we don't use it, we'll lose it. Number two, the growth process requires time and patience. You're not going to grow spiritually overnight. But when you start the process, start the journey, God will help you to get to where you need to get to. And number three, we need to reach children while they're young and they're still open to Christ. Again, I saw, that's why we spend dollars. We, we invest in our children. Guys, I thank God. I told you all this. Uh, last Vacation Bible School, and VBS is more than just for children, but, but it, we capsulate and we focus in on trying to reach children. Well, we had 30 some odd kids who accept Christ as their personal Savior, and, and about 25 of them we discovered were legit, legitimate conversion experience. Some of them were just had already been baptized. And we get some of that, but 25 or so we know receive Christ as personal Savior. And we've been baptizing those kids ever since VBS. But you know what? It, we spent about, I don't know, $8,000 or so on VBS. That's an investment. That's an investment in our young people to get them to see their need for Christ and when that many souls get saved, it was well worth it. So we're going to keep investing in our children. We're going to keep pouring into them because guess what? The Britney Figaro's of the world are coming back to us. We get to see that seed come back, amen. The Kiara Whites of this world are coming back to us, amen. Come up as a little child, saved, but coming back and pouring back into the ministry. That is an awesome, we got others also. So we're going to keep pouring into our young people. Guys, the seed of the word, amen, is important. But the enemy of that seed is Satan. Y'all know that, right? He's coming to satchel away. Make sure you take that word and plant it down in your heart so that the enemy can't come and take it away from you, okay? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.